Welcome to Unashamed, Unafraid, a show unashamed about sexual addiction recovery and unafraid of coming unto Christ for healing. Where we talk about real recovery stories, answer anonymous questions, and share resources that actually work. I'm your host, Chris. And I'm your co-host, James. And we are Unashamed, Unafraid. Chris. What an awesome, awesome session that we have here. Yes, we did. So we had uh, Jim and Leisha on the show. Um, such an incredible story. Love their hearts. Um, and just the, the openness, the vulnerability, um, the strength, um, the humility. There are just so many awesome qualities that come through on this. Even but, in this episode. And if you guys are not, part of the outsiders yet and you're not donating or just you've got to do that so that you can be part of or be able to take part of the bonus content because it gets even better like it's it's so good and then it gets even better yeah bonus content how does somebody become an outsider chris you go to unashamed unafraid (laughs) unashamed slash (laughs) <laughs> I always forget. <laughs> we knew that I, this is why I did this. I knew this was going to happen. Every time. Slash scholarships. Slash donate. Oh, see, I, did, I screwed it up every time. <laughs> Unashamed, unafraid.com slash donate and is where they go. Yep. And there you can make what, however small or large a donation you can make that will give you access to the bonus content and you'll be able to partake of, um, you know, us, Steve and, and I and uh, Joe going through the, uh, the 12 steps. Um, and then obviously you'll get wonderful content like uh, Jim and Leisha's bonus content and dive deeper into their story and into their hearts. So, you know, enough of us blathering. Really, we just need to get into the show because this is a good one. Yep. Let's do it. Let's hit it. Chris. We're here again. Here it is, Jim. Good evening. <laughs> Leisha. Hello. Glad to have you all here. Welcome, guys. Yeah. We're excited to be here. So the coolest story about... Um, my first introduction to Jim was um, Jim is one of our earliest outsiders. And um, if I might say our earliest, very most generous um, outsider. And um, so that was my introduction to Jim was like the day we became a nonprofit organization. He reached out and he's like, give me all your stuff. My company will match it. Let's rock and roll. (laughs) (laughs) No sense leaving money on the table, right? Exactly. (laughs) So that that was a pretty cool uh, introduction for me to to meet Jim. Um, was just over some email, and then first time I met Leisha was up at the women's retreat, heart of a woman retreat. And do you remember what you said to me, Leisha? No, <laughs> I don't. I remember that I said, I know, I don't know if we're supposed to hug because it's COVID or whatever. And then you like bear hug. So <laughs> it was good. Yeah. So um, I remember what you said. And you just said, your podcast changed our lives. Mm. It's absolutely true. And, absolutely true. Um, and so that's the bear hug. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so Jim, um, where should we begin today? Where do you want to go? 
Oh, I don't know. I I was hoping you would tell me where I'm going. Okay. Um, it's, I mean, I've, I've gotten a little bit used to sort of talking about how I'm at and where I'm at. Um, uh, I don't know if a front to back story is the way to go, but, um, you know, as far as my um, addiction, um, it's been 25 plus years. I think as I think about my story and I think what might be useful to somebody else and maybe what's unique about my story, um, that's sort of what, what I think about what I would share. Okay. Um, and so I'll, I'll give a little bit of background. So my, my early childhood, those kinds of things, I was exposed to pornography probably when I was about 10. Um, my cousin had found some and we went and uh, looked at it and then we were like, oh, that's not good. And we went and burned it. Um, and we, no, that was my, my first recollection of that. And then over the years, it was present. And I, I saw it, I was like, yay. Um, right. I, you know, I, I was excited to see it, you know, those feelings that it gives you. Um, but it was never really um, a problem for me until um, later in life, quite honestly. Um, so I remember um, going through the, through my teenage years and, you know, we'd watch R-rated movies or, or whatever. And if that was, you know, there was um, sexualization in there, that was something that I always really looked forward to. I, it's, it's sort of sad to say that, but you know, that was my, that's what I liked. But um, it wasn't until after we got married that I really found myself in an, an addictive process where pornography became part of my life um, on a regular basis. Um, I had never masturbated until after we got married. Um, and so it's, it's a little bit of a different story in that sense that I think a lot of people um, who are struggling with sexual addiction run into that masturbation and whatnot early on in their, right. in their process. And that wasn't, that wasn't my process. Yeah. So I think it's a little bit interesting. Um, you know, just, there's just so much that was going on. It was, um, you know, I just graduated from college. My daughter had just been born. We're recently married. Um, we moved out of our first apartment and into her parents' basement and, you know, just a lot of stuff going on. And it, that was when, I found that there's this great release um, to having to deal with real life. And that was my, ex, you know, that's when, when I started to regularly yeah. um, be a partaker, I guess I would say. Did you know that you were using it as a coping mechanism at the time? I really didn't, honestly. I, I mean, it's, it's not until we sort of um, have gone through the therapeutic process and some of those kinds of things that I've looked back and said, uh, that that's what I had been doing. Um, and you know, quite honestly, it's, it's, it's only recently. I find like every time I go to my therapist, um, I end up with, um, some new insight as to what I'd been doing and never even knowing that I'd been doing it. And I'll sit him and I'll say, you know, I really just realized this right now, um, that, that this is something that I, that I've seen and doing. And, and so that, Coping mechanism is, is something I've looked back with hindsight and I had no idea at the time. In fact, I would have said I was blowing all that stuff away, right? My, my young, arrogant Jim would have said, you've got this all under control. You're not, well, you're, sure. not, you're not covering anything. You're not hiding from anything. You're, uh, you know, you're, you're dominating, right? And 
you know, in hindsight, that's when I look back and say, no, I was really scared. Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to imagine that you probably didn't go ahead and tell Alicia about all this. <laughs> um, no. Okay. Did, um, did she tell, did, did he tell you anything before you guys got married? No, no. Yeah. But was there anything to tell Jim? There, really? No, I've, no, there really was nothing to tell. That's yeah. why I feel like my story is a little bit different. I didn't lie to her going into our marriage. Um, I just betrayed it. Okay. Yeah. And then in marriage, after you picked up that process, started to re- and, and you didn't really recognize it as an addiction or was in some denial that it, it was um, becoming a compulsive process for you, right? You, yeah, you, absolutely. You, you were denying that that part. So at what point did you then recognize, oh, this is becoming a problem? Well, I think you always know that that's a problem, right? I mean, you don't have to be around it too long to know that that's not something good for you. You can feel the drain on you as a person, on your spirit, on everything about you. Um, So I I recognize that. And like all addicts, I quit every night. um, And I just would pick it back up. And there were times I, I always like to, I wish I could go back and see what maybe my longest time of sobriety was in those early years. I, I honestly, I don't know. Um, but I'd guess it wasn't very long. Yeah. Um, but I'd never really realized that until I was looking back and saying, man, this was been like around me and wrapped into my life and like a dominant piece of my life for so long. Yeah. And so I guess at what point did you decide to, you know, as the scripture says, you know, with the prodigal son and he's sitting with the swine and finally he comes to himself. At what point do you actually come to yourself? I, I do have a story on that. Um, and it's, it's a little bit interesting. So, um, well, this is the, we, this is our, our timeline. We actually talked a little bit about this and I think we both view it a little bit differently, but, um, I think our memories are just, you know, you know, what's, yeah. what I remember, what's important to me is a little bit different than her, but yeah. Um, so can, we, can I time out on you here yeah. for just a minute? So Alicia, what was your um, marriage like then? Did you feel like things were off with him? Did you feel like um, anything was going amiss? Uh, Disconnection. Yeah. What's going on for you in this time frame? Yeah. So I remember thinking before I knew, so early in our marriage, we found someone had stolen our credit card, and I was sure it was stolen. Um, but it actually, after I kept talking about it, he eventually admitted that he had used it to see, you know, porn, whatever the website was. Is when the internet was first born, so it was kind of a naive time for like how the internet's used for me. Um, but it was just a one-time thing; it was an accident, no big deal. And then over the next ten years or so, I remember thinking sometimes, is this all marriages? You know, is this all very? I wouldn't know, like when he comes from work, is he going to be crabby? Is he going to be fine? Is he going to be distant? There's a lot of, um, is this all it is? More of a roommate than a companionship? A roommate who I had to tiptoe around. Mm, Okay. So you're... So he thought that obviously changed him. He he wasn't like an angry man that you saw before, but as you got deeper in your marriage, you started seeing that he was a little more angry quick or right right like he never called me names or yelled and fight but there was like this like just an anger about him i'm a good brooder brooder and just the look and 
just moodiness. Okay. So a lot of that. And that, did you notice that emerge shortly after the marriage, a um, couple of years in? When did you feel like that emerged? I mean, I think it was. Or from the get-go. I th- maybe, I mean, like our first year or two of marriage was yeah. great. And then after that, I just, I, I slowly felt it come in, but I didn't always recognize it as a problem or sure. constant. Um, I probably really felt like it was a bigger problem once we moved out east away okay. from our family. So about seven years into our marriage, then it really got heavier on me okay. about what was happening or the feelings of not feeling connected or. Yeah. And now you, you guys actually met in Idaho. Yes. You guys both grew up in Idaho. Correct. And then how did you guys meet? Uh, my cousin set us up on a blind date. I always call it a double blind date because uh, she had two friends and there were myself and one of my other cousins. And she, they said, hey, why don't you guys take these two girls out? And on the way there, we were like, well, we got to have an arbitrary way of deciding who's going to be with who. And I go, I'm taller than you, so I get the taller of the two. And I was <laughs> fortunate that it was her. That's awesome. Meant to be. <laughs> <laughs> so let's go back to you, Jim. Kind of where we where I okay. before I cut you off there. Where were you headed with that? Um, I had to regroup my thoughts here for a yeah, minute. So the point where you had to come to yourself mm-hmm. and finally admit, all right, this is um, so something through our I, marriage. There were times where I would get caught. Um, there were probably you know, just a handful. Um, and always it was uh, a minimization. Um, but I, I, for me, um, that whole turning point came by what I call the, to myself, the great pizza incident. Um, and that was when, um, I was supposed to be going to, um, a church meeting at the temple one evening and I just didn't feel like going. And so I went and I sat in the train station in uh, center city, Philadelphia, and I ate a pizza and when I ordered that pizza, it sent a notification that um, my credit card had been used to her. And she confronted me about it and was like, weren't you supposed to be at the temple? And I'm like, oh, that was a lunch. And I just like really laid it on heavy. And it was, um, you know, I, I really quite honestly emotionally abused her through that whole process of just denying and making her be crazy and just like, no, there's absolutely no way. And I was just, it was, it was a bad so it was um, a solid example of gaslighting. Yes, exactly. Um, I was like a propane tank of gaslighting. Um, but over those next couple of days, because of that, a lot of tension, and I started looking at some more pornography, and she found that on my iPad. And at that point, she had given some, um, we'd created some boundaries. And um, one of the boundaries was if I didn't come to her and tell her I had looked at some pornography or something like that for uh, within 24 hours and I had to leave the house for a couple nights. And so she came to me. So were you in therapy at the time or did you just come up with that one or? Oh, no. So, um, like about seven years before that, Uh I had a moment where, um, I call where the light switch came on where I always thought I would catch him. He would confess. I'd feel bad. He'd do better. And then the light switch flipped on. I'm like, what the crap? He is not changing. Mm -hmm. And, um, that was a big breaking moment for us. And he did therapy. I did therapy. He did some essay meetings. Um, and then he came back after a couple of years and made a solemn promise that he would never lie to me again. And I believed that. And I hung my hat on that. And so then we hadn't done, we'd quit the therapy because he was better, right? Like he oh, said okay. he was all better. He, he, 
he said he was better. And I'm like, okay, I guess you're better. And so we hadn't been doing therapy. And um, I had caught porn on his iPad um, about seven months prior to what he's explaining. And I thought, of course, it was just a mistake. You know, I mean, it's hard to never do it again, right? Mm-hmm. One mistake that happens. And then it proceeded forth to this. And this is like, I feel like this whole experience here, like this is a shortened version of an yeah. incredible miracle in my life. Because in October 18, October 2018, um, I took a challenge from our spiritual leader, our prophet, and he said, if you read these scriptures, by the end of the year, you will get miracles in my life. And I was going to ignore that because I was reading anyway. I didn't need to, but I decided to take the challenge. And I, and I remember praying and said, all right, God, show me what kind of miracle you're going to give. And the first miracle I found was porn on my husband's iPad. And I'm like, thanks, God. <laughs> you know, I'd been praying for honesty, whatever it took. And then seven and months. Did you, did you feel like that was I did. from God? Like you were like, Absolutely. I'm glad that this yeah, came I, I, um, I trusted my husband when he committed to be honest with me. But there was a part of me that knew. Like, I chose to trust him, but mm. my soul wasn't in it. And so I would always pray to have honesty, whatever it took. And... um. I personally believe that God had that happen to give him one more chance to come clean. And then over the next seven months, he let him go and he went and bought this pizza and it gave me the strength to say, you are a liar. And I stood my ground so strongly on that because of that pizza. And I think that's the power, like there wasn't, so there wasn't therapy, but that was the power and the strength that gave me to stand my ground. And I called him a liar in many ways and he would say, no, but no, but and I'm like, but yes, but yes. Yeah. And I think that was the beginning of him. The process of telling the truth yeah. over two or three weeks period. Yeah. Awesome. And, and so anyway, the reason I brought up therapy was because that was a really solid boundary. So you, oh, you're you had, right. You're you right. So clearly had some experience with boundaries before. So and, actually and doing boundaries. Yeah. Where I was going with that. So in that seven months, I'm trying to learn and I randomly found online this lady talking about boundaries. I'm like, what is this? This is amazing. And so I was researching what a boundary was. So it was just researching online and reading what people had done. So it was very basic and probably not very clean boundary, but I loved the concept. It was, it was amazing to me. We we actually still use that concept of if you have a slip within 24 hours, you got to let them know. Yeah. Like, I think I think the longest I talked about on my podcast is the longest that I ever went was six hours because I'm like, why am I going to sit here and beat myself up for the next 24 mm-hmm. hours? I got to tell her anyway, so I might as well just get it over with and be done. Right. Yeah. So once again, <laughs> so back we cut, to we cut you off, Jim. <laughs> but, you know, <laughs> um, and and that was really like a a a time, and so that was when. I went down and I decided that I was going to just stay in a hotel down by my work. And um, it happened to be a Marriott. And um, I woke up the next morning after actually acting out that la- that night before. Um, I acted out um, with an escort. Um, even when I was down there for violating a boundary, I was that jaded that I guess sometimes I think I'm, I was that hopeless that I could get out of it, but that's an excuse. Um, the reality is that I was making those decisions um, in spite of all these things going on around me. Um, and I happened to pick it up and I was just picked up where I was reading. And you happened to pick up the book of the Mormon. scripture that yeah, was sitting there, the scriptures book of Mormon. And 
um, I was reading in the scriptures about the, the brothers who were always rotten and would say, well, why are you saying such hard things to me? Right. When God would speak truths and it was so hard and, and God would reach down and say, Hey, what do you guys think about this? And they would say, this is so mean. This you're picking on me. This is, this is awful. And I realized at that moment for the first time that I was that person um, that was feeling picked on by God's commandments, by God's truths, by um, those, those, you know, moments where he would reach down to me. And I, I felt picked on for that. And that was the first time that I, I really realized that I was like just so far out of where I needed to be. Um, and then over the course of the next week, I decided um, that I was going to, she, well, she was very persistent on, on continuing to follow up with me um, on what else are you lying about? What else are you lying about? What else are you lying about? And over the next week or so, I would say, um, I finally just broke down and I told her, you know, I've been doing all these things. Um, and I revealed that I'd been, you know, using pornography all the time. I'd been masturbating. I'd been um, acting out with escorts. Um, I was going to um, strip clubs, you know, all the things that you never, never want to hear from your husband. I had to like just dump on her plate um, all at once. And, and, um, and I, and, and then of course she had to leave. And so she went out to visit our son who just, well, had I already leave. had a, tri- yeah, a uh, trip planned. Okay. Right. So I didn't have to leave. I had to leave because right. I had a trip. Planned. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so you didn't leave out of a boundary or out of, um, you know, any, no, I already self-care. had, right. It was not, you know. Okay. All right. And so you said that you kind of dumped it all at once. It sounds like it was more over so a course of three weeks though, all, that really everything came out. Yeah. All, I mean, that period of time was a big once time. So sure, yeah, he yeah. would admit like on Thursday night, he admitted to this on Friday night, he admitted to the next step on Saturday to the next step, you know? And so, and then like a week or so later, he admitted to the timing of it all. Yeah. So it kind of came out right that way. What was that like? <laughs> so I rec- this is what I describe that moment or those time was, is I'm a very organized, capable person and I can get things done really well. I remember we went to help somebody move and I was standing in the middle of their house and I couldn't decide whether I should pick up a broom or wipe a counter or what to do. And I just wasn't myself. It was hard. Yeah. But. Did you feel like he was being honest? Um. I wasn't hundred percent sure because of the steps he, like I had to ask every day to get the next um, answer. And so I wasn't hundred percent sure. Um, there was a time it's a little bit comedic, co- co- funny, maybe <laughs> um, I was, in, this can be funny. <laughs> yeah. So I was in Utah and I asked him about the timing one more time and he gave me a different answer. Mm-hmm. And I remember throwing out every insult that I've ever heard. And I would make up insults like your hippopotamus toenail or, you know, swear words, everything I was. And he's like, calm down, calm down. And I'm so mad. I'm just outside in the Utah air yelling at him because I knew he was lying again. And he said to me, he goes, 
what? Do you want me to be honest? And I'm like, you know those demon shows where the head pops up and it starts <laughs> spinning and shooting out air? That's where I was. And I'm like, oh my holy hell. That is what I've been asking for 25 years. And so he went back and he wrote, he, he pretty much did a therapeutic disclosure on his own. And once he gave me that, I felt like he was being honest. And I'd say he was 95% honest with that, maybe some timing issues. And so that's when I felt like I had it all. Um, I'll be honest. When I wrote that, I started it out of spite. Um, I was like, I'll show her. And as I did it, I felt, I, I, in hindsight, I know God turned my heart as I was writing that. And I put a lot of effort. I sat on my bed for probably six hours writing that and it was bad because she was gone and it was dinner time and finally all the finally the kids had been it was now eight o'clock at night and we hadn't eaten dinner because i was on my bed writing this and trying to 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 be as honest as i knew how um and they came in and they're like dad are we gonna eat dinner and i'm like oh, well okay and i hit send um and and it was, but I felt like I feel that God guided me because I had no idea what therapeutic disclosure was. Um, I had no idea what the best process to do on this was, but I did feel that I had to come clean. That was my moment to yeah. be 100% honest. Yeah. So, so how long ago is that from now? Almost two years Almost exactly. Two years, exactly. Okay. Two years ago. Like today, to I was day. probably here <laughs> telling him, like, yeah, like he probably wrote the letter almost to the day. Yeah, yeah. almost to the so day. So today's the hippopotamus toenail yelling About, day. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Uh -huh. Okay. So you know, I just wanted to back up the bus a little bit mm -hmm. and um, validate your experience around not knowing whether or not you should pick up the broom or the wash rag or mm -hmm. whatever. That's trauma. Mm -hmm. That's the effect that trauma has um, in somebody's life. And so I just want to validate that that is for, for you and for any of our listeners that might be listening, that that is a real experience. That's a painful experience. And um, it's a normal reaction to something that is that big. And I have come to see that and understand that. And it does help to know that it, I wasn't just crazy. It was, Ab yeah, absolutely. And that's, that's why I wanted to get that out there is for anybody listening, like if you're in that place, you're not crazy. This is a, this is a trauma response that happens, um, especially in a betrayal trauma situation like that. Thank you. So I, I have a question for you guys. So how did it, so we'll, we'll address both of you guys. So mm -hmm. you guys can answer separately when you finally did the disclosure and you finally felt like you were being totally truthful and got everything out, how did things change for you? And then once Jim. you knew that he was telling the truth, <laughs> who you're pointing to Jim. Um, <laughs> yeah. And then once, once you knew that he was telling the truth, how did that thing, how did that change things for you? So Jim, you want to jump in? Yeah, first? I can start first. Um, for me, I felt the best I'd felt in our married lives. I had no secrets. I didn't need to worry about which lie I was going to be contradicting by what I was doing, what I was seeing. Honestly, I remember the, the, the point I remember uh, most as I was walking um, 
right? And I remember exactly where I was. I was walking right past the Liberty Bell on my way to my office and I was listening to Unashamed Unafraid. And um, I don't remember which one. I heard that's a pretty good podcast. It's a pretty <laughs> awesome podcast. Um, but I, I remember that they talked about honesty and how um, liberating that was. And I was just, I just couldn't help. I just started crying as I'm walking down the street thinking that is so true. I mean, I feel, I feel so free um, from, from this lie, like trying to hide and cover everything on a, on a daily basis and, and not worrying about if she's picks up my phone, did I clear the, the memory? Did I do this? Did whatever? It was fine. She could pick it up. She could have it, whatever it wanted because I had no secrets anymore. And that was, um, it, it's an amazing experience and I can't tell anybody out there suffering from addiction. You don't know how liberating that can be until you experience it, that you just don't have those lies, those things hanging over your head it's the it's 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 just an amazing experience when you've been at the depths and now you just you don't care like anything could happen because it's all right i'm not hiding anything it, i i totally relate to that because that's how how i feel like autumn can grab my phone anytime she's like let me see your phone she needs to get into something mm-hmm. and i'm like here you go i don't have to worry about am i going to get a text from somebody am i going to did i delete the history did i delete any of this stuff but you know, I mean, I never looked at pornography on my phone, but I don't, I mean, I didn't have to worry about, did I delete that text? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's an amazing, it's an amazing feeling to, to just not have to worry about covering your tracks um, over everything. Yeah. So Alicia, where are you um, kind of with this? Like, I know that for some folks, it takes a while to really have the trust come back. Um where are you at the at the trust level right now? T- today sure. or back when? Okay, today. Yeah. Um, I I've heard someone say, I can't remember who. That they. Well, first of my my therapist tells me I can trust actions over words, mm-hmm. and then some lady on one of these podcasts I've listened to has said, you know, she has learned to trust her husband's actions. Yeah. And I feel strongly about that. I feel like. I watch the things he does. I watch the way he listens to me, the way he reacts to people in kindness and patience, and I can trust those. And um, right now, I trust that he is being honest with me, but I also reserve the right that if his behaviors change, that I'm not going to blindly just trust that. Right, totally. I've learned enough to take action and to protect myself. These past two years have been incredible in rebuilding that trust and... um, and the things he's done and, and the work we've done. And, yeah. Uh, Jim, how has your transparency been since that day? Um, it's been, it's been good, but it's had moments. I mean, there's been some times where I'll say like little things that I've tried to deny, um, you know, no pornography, none, none of the, but I, what I call freebies, where if you're looking at a, a, a news article and there's some clickbait in there, and, and just clicking on those and just, you know, maybe there's going to be a, a, an image of somebody in a bikini, right? Nothing, you know, there's been some instances with that where I have not, or I've, I've denied at first. And then over time, we've, we, we've worked through it. Um, but I think uh, that was a while back. I mean, what would you say? I mean, I think 
I think it's been pretty good for the most, I don't know. <laughs> no, I would agree. There have been a few things like that. That happened about four months after I learned everything, you know, and he was clicking in these. It's, it's not a problem. It's not my trigger. And I'm like, it's not your trigger. It's wrong. And we had a few words about that. Um, and so there were a few of those things and, and there was a few of those other things. And, but I would say probably it's been at least 18 months since we've addressed some of those. Yeah. I would say he's been, and I still reserve the right to look on the computer yeah. if I want to, and he's okay with that. And sometimes I do, I don't feel obsessive about it, but I feel like I can do that. Um, yeah. And, and so Jim, anything you want to come clean with right now? <laughs> no, um, I, I don't, I really don't have anything I would come clean with. I mean, I feel, I mean, it, that, that liberating feeling of just not hiding anything is, is amazing. Um, and you know, just being able to trust my processes and, and when I am tempted or when I decide that I want to try and go through any of those processes to, to that pathway, um, it's, it's it's been really really a positive thing to to, to feel that that yeah. release that that freedom it's freedom really freedom right so looking at those like click, clickbait things that you were talking about i call that negotiating with your addiction absolutely yes right? i've talked about that mm -hmm. on the podcast mm -hmm. before and that's just like the little things yeah it might not be pornography but you know exactly where it's going to take you and you get into that enough and it's going to take you to pornography. Right. You will get to that point and be like, oh yeah, I, I want to, this isn't enough. So I want to keep going. Mm -hmm. And soon enough, you're back into pornography again. Yeah, absolutely. And I've, I, I recognize that and, and I, I've, you know, worked on being more um, diligent about those things. So, so like for me, my, my process involves, um, that was my next question. Is like, yeah. what are you doing now? Yeah, to keep my, my 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 process involves um, recognizing it. So first of all, I felt like for so many years I didn't have a choice. Um, if pornography presented itself, if the opportunity presented itself, I felt that I was destined to do it, and I had no choice. So one of the first things I've started to do is say, I have a choice. And sometimes early on, I don't do it as much now, but I'd be walking down the streets in Center City and you know see something, have something presented. And I would say out loud, I have a choice. And so you got this big, ugly guy walking down the street saying, <laughs> I have a choice. And I'm sure there was a lot of intimidated little ladies in Philadelphia that were <laughs> wondering what was going on. Um, but you know, just recognizing that I have a choice um, and then I can choose to, to not go there. And I, I will say this. I want to go back a little bit to like my, my earlier years that I, while I didn't suffer from a pornography addiction, I was definitely a fantasy addict. Hmm. I lived in fantasy and we, we have a, we, we had a question. Uh, so we, we try and read questions together and just like share thoughts and different things like that with some books that do those. And one of the questions was, what would you tell a 15-year-old you? And I don't know if that's the right age, but that's the roughly it. And what I would have told a 15-year-old me is that fantasy is going to cause you a world of hurt. Hmm. Um, because that fantasy, while you may feel that that's, well, I may feel that that was um, staying away from actually doing something, 
it was the same, it, the neural pathways were being built that allowed when I did get some pornography, when I did allow any of those other things in, I was like pre-wired because of my fantasy addiction. So it was already hitting on that same stuff. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So now we're not going to do an unashamed unafraid podcast without going here. So where's God in all this? Where is God? I've, I've, I've what, thought about this one. Where's God as, for mm-hmm. you as a youth? Yep. And then when you walk want us, your marriage, walk us through the God, married. walk mm-hmm. us through the spiritual journey of this. So my spiritual journey is that I have always known God loves me. Um, I've never doubted that. And even in some of the worst times, um, I've had some experiences that I just, I cannot deny that God's there. And, and as, as recently as maybe a month ago where, or two months ago, I was, I was thinking about as, as we're knew that we were going to be doing this podcast. And I knew James was going to ask me that question. <laughs> and so I, I was thinking how I would approach, you know, what my process with God through this all was, is that I knew God loved me. I knew he was there. Um, I knew he could do that, but he had a lot bigger problems to worry about than me. Hmm. And so my, my process was I just wasn't important or, or not, not, not important. I felt important, but I was not at the top of his priority list um, with, with what I was struggling through. Yeah. And he would get to me when it was time. Hmm. And when he was done putting, bringing peace to the world and you know, all those things that, that are a bigger priority. Yeah. So that's where you were. That's where I was. And now, um, I mean, it's, it's so hard to describe. I mean, I, so I, you, you had this God who loved you, mm-hmm. but you know, you were kind of on the back burner cause he had bigger fish to fry. Now who is God? Now he is a, he's like doing everything for me. Um, he's present in everything I do. He's, um, around when I need him. Um, if I need to ask for help, I feel like he's right there. Um, I feel like he's a constant present in presence in my life and that I am of value to him always. And he wants to help me right now. Um, and, and that's where, that's where I feel like I'm at with him right now is that he, I am his top priority and he will, he will be there the second I reach out and ask for that help. Can you walk us through the shift? Um, trust. I think I, I had no way to get through this on my own. I'd been trying for 25 plus years to do this on my own. Um, I, you know, in hitting that rock bottom, I had, uh, done, you look back on what it was and, and where that was. And this was a, a conversation I had with my therapist just a, not too long ago was I was hopeless. Hmm. I was absolutely hopeless. And I think that hopelessness opened my heart to I'll do anything. And that anything included um, allowing him to take over my life and direct things that I had always pridefully said, that's me. I get to be me. I get to, uh, you know, if, if that's what I want to do, that's what I get to do. And, and I feel like, I allowed him to work my heart in a way 
that I didn't care what it ended like. I was willing to let him mold that heart in that moment. Now you, you came out to boot camp in May mm-hmm. and I went on a hike with you. It was pretty awesome. Pretty epic. It was hike. pretty cool. But when we were going, you were talking to me about, I didn't know who you were at the time and I didn't even find out and tell who you were until later throughout. I think it was later after the, after the boot camp was over. I couldn't remember, but one of the things that you said stood out to me is you said that when you first came to boot camp, you're like, I'm on such a spiritual high. I don't know how things could get better, but it did. Oh, it, it's like, did, and you're like, like, this is a totally different experience that I, so, so talk a little bit about that experience for you. Um, I was in a spot where I felt really good. And, and so I came into boot camp thinking that I would be able to, you know, connect and, and what God said is he showed me how willing he was to be willing. He was to be involved in every aspect of my life. I just can't imagine. I, I, I could spend probably three hours here talking about all the different. In fact, I did on the drive back. Poor Alicia had to listen to me just like story after story after story about how, um, you know, in every little thing, God came for me. I mean, from the second that I walked in and sat down and was like, even just sort of taking in my surroundings, God was putting people in my place and, and just showing me that he was there and that he cared about every little thing that was on my mind. And, and that's what I felt like I got out of boot camp was that, that he was willing to go take me as high as I was willing to let him. And, and, and the only limitation on where he could take me is the limitation that I put on it. I like that. Leisha, what about you? Where, where was God through you growing up? And then when you started hearing about all these different things, you're catching him for the first time. Were you angry with God at all? Or, or just tell me where you were at with that. I, I grew up um, believing in God. Um, I wasn't always super close to him as a teenager, just exploring and learning, you know, what religion means culturally or, or more in depth. And then um, my, my God crisis did come after I found out that he was acting out and it came in a way that I thought when he did full disclosure. Well, um, no, no, no. So when I first caught him about 10 years into our marriage, and then there was like a period of eight years where I would catch him and he would say, I'm sorry. And he, I would say, Oh no, that's, this is the, this is the only time. Yeah. 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 And I would believe that. And so for a period there, I thought, you know what? God made us, God made men. Maybe he made men to be this way. Maybe God is this way. And then, you know, I have a really good dad and it's like, well, maybe my dad's this way. Maybe that's just the way they are. And women are just tools. And that was really hard, but I am, I decided to take what I've learned and I prayed and I said, God, this is how I feel. Um, If that's not right, I need you to tell me that it's not. I will choose to believe that you're loving and care about all of us. And I'll give you a year to teach me that, that I can feel in my heart. And within two months, I had an incredible experience of just love of how much he loves his daughters. And, and it was really powerful for me. And so from that point on, I feel like I've just gotten closer and closer I've had so many miracles through this that are just so many miracles of him protecting me, comforting me. And while at the same time, allowing him to have his agency to make choices. Um, 
and I feel like even more so these past two years when we've gone through recovery, just the power of the atonement and watching it change this man to a different person in the two years as he's changed his heart and um, his hypocrisy and to become clean and pure. And then just the healing that has happened to me has been incredible uh, that the atonement can make that much difference. You know, I, I used to have wounds that were gaping and bloody and horrible. And now I have scars and the scars are okay because I think they, they help me remember those feelings and a way that can help others. But the healing is, is complete. It's, yeah. it's powerful. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, you know, we can either speak from the wounds, which is usually not going to be very helpful, but speaking from the scars, right. That's the wisdom with that. Mm. And the, right. That's the story behind there. And so, you know, and, and as you talked about, you know, that, that doubting, you know, maybe God made men and maybe, and yeah. God's amendment, maybe all this, maybe my dad's like that and all that. I just, Christy and Autumn are here with us. And I just, they were both just nodding their head like, yep, yep. And and I know that I, I've watched, you know, Christy go through that same experience um, in that crisis, faith crisis, right? And trust in, in humanity and particularly man, mankind, mm-hmm. the man side of mankind, you know? Um, and so last two years, you, you said, God, you know, you felt just that healing. What's been, you kind of, it sounds like this was a seven year journey, right? Of kind of embracing it, the, the new view on God or whatever. What's the last two years been? How's that been a little different? The last two years, um, well, it's after Jim gave me the letter of his admission of everything. I remember thinking, what what do I do? Like, I've been living with this for so many years. You know, I, I didn't know a lot. It's worse than I thought. Like, what do I do? I don't want to keep doing this. Yeah. And so I prayed and my parents prayed with me and I think a sister and I just wanted to know the answer. Do I leave him or do I stick it out? Do I leave him or stick it out? And I just had an incredible experience. I call it a half second vision where I just felt so happy and such powerful peace and happiness. And then at the same time, my answer was prepare for both. Prepare to be together and married or be prepared to be on your own. Mm. And again, we both had to give space for him to make his own choices. Right. But it didn't matter that God had had me and I would be not just okay, but happy, yeah. whatever the answer is. And that was really powerful. Um, and then I learned patience. I, I really, like I'm an organizer, I'm a planner. I like to get things done, but I learned patience and I just was willing to feel hurt. I was willing to um, trust God would take me where I needed to to be. I think patience was a big part of my learning. Yeah. So yeah. As, as we sit here, we told you guys that we get text messages and stuff. You know, we t- talk back and forth. And one of the questions, it's even hard for me to even just say it because it says, Leisha, how have you been held in this experience? How as has a, God, how has God held you? Held you? Yeah. Like literally or? Yeah. I'm, I can tell of an experience. I remember being curled up on my bed, sobbing in a ball. And I started to hyperventilate and I, I said, I can't do it anymore. It's too much. And I remember the, the, the hyperventilating was taken away. The too much was taken away. The pain was still there and that didn't leave, 
but the too much was gone. And I knew that God was caring for me. I also believe that he, well, I, I know I've had, I've had him. I remember the first time he acted out with a woman. I'm like, how do I do this? And I remember God said, you don't have to, you can leave him. Like he gave me that option. You know, we were in a religion where marriage is such a big thing, but he told me I didn't have to, that I could be happy and choose to leave if I wanted to. I've had mirror. I've had, um, I remember I had, I didn't have to, I did have to because of my compulsion. I asked him a question expecting to get one answer and I got the other and it made me sick, you know? And the next day we were traveling and I was miserable just thinking about this question. And then I said, God, I cannot do it anymore. And with one, within one hour, whatever was inside me, he changed and I had the happiest day of my life. And it, it changed. Um, I, I know that God has given me miracles of comfort. I know he can't take away my whole mortal experience. And I, I know to the core of me that the reason he bought that pizza with that credit card on that scanner so I could see it is part of the miracle that God promised me when I chose to read the scriptures and follow the church leaders that challenged me to do that. Like I know that to my core. And um, he sent me friends. I've had friends. I've had um, books I've read, therapists I've been to. Um, just the power of even that he got excommunicated was powerful for me. It was like God cared about, like it was for him, but I really believe a part of it might've been for me to show me that, yeah, this is wrong and he's been wrong and let's start all over. Yeah. Um, I, I, I could, I, I feel incredibly held by God in all ways. I can't even describe all the details, I guess. It just, it's all, he's all there for me. And, and I felt it literally and yeah, almost daily. So, so Jim, kind of same to you. Um, how has God held you and walked you through this journey of this freeing journey as you've become honest and a man of accountability, integrity? Um, I think that it comes in ways that. I have just been able to accept him being there. Um, I'm a pretty prideful guy. Um, I like to think highly of myself. Um, and this whole process had brought me to where I could let him hold me and not think I was holding myself. So for me, I think it was more of a recognition that where I was doing well or excelling or whatever was from him and it wasn't generated from me. And so I became just constantly aware of his hand in my life where before I would not have acknowledged that. And so that constant presence is him holding me. I've, I, I also had, I, I've debated sharing this, but like early on in this process, there was a moment where I just was like, is God even out there? Does he even care about me? I've been praying for so long to have this removed from me. And I just, I, I was out on a run. It was five o'clock in the morning, pitch black. 
I'm running down um, Sligo Creek Parkway in Washington, D.C. area. And I just like, God, are you even there? And I felt him come and give me a hug. And I, it's the only way I can describe it is he came and gave me a hug and I started crying and I almost ran into a tree because I was out running. (laughs) (laughs) God's hugging me. (laughs) I can't see. (laughs) But I, I felt that presence and I can't deny that he was there with me. And the funny thing is, is that you would have thought that would have removed and changed me, but it wasn't in, that didn't do that. I mean, it was years, what, 12, 15 years still fighting and fighting, letting him in after he showed me like without a doubt that he knows me and loves me. Yeah. I still had to let him in and I wouldn't, I, I, I fought that for so long. And so I've known he was there willing to hold me, but I just, I honestly, I don't know if I knew how to let him hold me. And I had to learn how to let him hold me. And I had to want to let him hold me. And so it was, it was just a, a lot of, a, a lot of just humbling myself and allowing him to be a part of me. And how does it feel to have him hold you It's now? amazing. It's amazing. I mean, I can't, I can't describe how uh, wonderful it is to feel him in my life and to, and to recognize him and give glory to him in my heart for all the different things that, that, are, that are going on. He's a, it's a completely different man sitting here than it was three years ago. What, like different person completely. And it's all because of the Savior and the atonement in God. That's so awesome. That's Jim, what we love to hear. Yeah. Yeah. Jim... Lisha, as you know, we usually wrap this up with a song. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on and sharing your hearts with us, sharing your stories. Um, I know I have been touched. And uh, again, honor your journey and thank you for sharing your story. Um, we usually wrap things up with a song. And if you had a song that you wanted to share with the world that really resonates with you guys, what would that be? Um, you know, we actually talk about this a lot at our house. <laughs> Jim loves music. He loves music. Like my whole life is defined by songs. Um, like if, if I hear a song on the radio, I can tell you what I was doing in, in, in a specific moment when I heard that song. Um, I can do that with like Dr. Dre. <laughs> <laughs> Mine's more Metallica. But, um, and Metallica, I hear <laughs> But so, so I have just so many different things like that. And, and so, I mean, I honestly, this whole podcast, that's the thing I was most worried about was what song <laughs> I would pick. There's so many good ones. There's so from. many good ones. Um, and of course, now I'm, I'm blanking on it, but it's um, by Jason Gray. And it is good. Is it good day? It's good to be alive. Good to be alive. Yeah, good to be alive by Jason Gray. We like that one, and that one is one, and it's not my genre for sure, but it's just it just speaks to my soul every time I hear it. Um, it just brings me happiness. Um, I used to whistle around um, those some old songs like you know about how life couldn't be any better, or you know just different things like that. And this song just sort of sums that up. It also brings to to me. There's a line in it that changed 
my, or that I'm sorry, validated one of the biggest changes in my life. And that was moving from being an earner to showing God that I love him. Mm-hmm. And there's a line in the, in the, in the course that says, I live a good life to show God that I love him. And, and that's, that's been a big change to, to know that like doing good things and that isn't for to let him love me. It's my way of showing him that I love him. And so that, that, that's uh, that's specifically, so that's my, that's, that's our song or I'm sorry, not our song, but the (laughs) The song song that I'm going to (laughs) pick, the song that you're going to pick for the podcast. Yes. And it's, Live a good is what's it called? Good to be alive. Good, good to be by alive. Jason by good Jason to be alive Gray. by Jason Gray. So, uh, thank you for listening, being here, listeners. Thank you for joining us for the show. Um, follow us at Unashamed Unafraid and on all the platforms. Um, subscribe, become an outsider, so you can check out the bonus content that's coming up. And with that, it's good to be alive by Jason Gray. It's good to be alive.